sure. Yeah, what an amazing sense of the Lord's presence. Oh. So um, I don't really know where to go with this preach right now, to be honest. But uh, I really feel, I really feel, um, yeah, my name is Greg, by the way. Um, I'm an elder here at uh, AM, for those of you who don't know me. And um, yeah, it's just such a privilege. I'm married to Tracy. I'm a man of one wife, <laughs> as instructed by the Bible. And I've got three amazing children as well. And uh, I just really felt the Lord put on my heart to, to speak to us this morning about faith. And just to, just to encourage us. And it's amazing. It's encouraging for me just hearing the words that have come out and, and the things that have been said this morning already. Um, that have just confirmed the word that the Lord's um, placed on my heart. You know, he always prepares us and he gives us words for a reason. Who believes that? You know, so, so this morning you're sitting here for a reason. And that I really feel the Lord wants to deposit uh, and stir up uh, things in your lives and in your hearts. And uh, one of the things the Lord does is when I know he's speaking to me is he, and I need to preach or I've been asked to preach or I feel that there's a word on my heart as he wakes me up at four o'clock in the morning. And um, that happened two weeks ago for like a whole week. And um, I just want to make it clear because um, some people have dreams like Emsley. Uh, and, and the Bible says that uh, young men see visions and old men dream dreams. Eh? So I just want to make it clear. The Lord woke me up and then gave me a vision. So the Lord has decided I'm still young. Fortunately, I'm a young man. So I don't know about Emsley kicking his wife in the dream. That's... <laughs> <laughs> so I really feel the Lord has is, is, is placed it on, our, on my heart to share with you guys. And one of the pictures, uh, sorry, sorry, the, 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 um, the topic for the preach is uh, disciple-like faith. And one of the things the Lord woke me up in a, and, and showed me this vision was a, a picture of a river. And it was amazing how many Judd's word about the dam wanting to be broken. And uh, it was just amazing how that confirmed what, what, what the Lord was saying to me. And he, and he showed me this river, beautiful river. And there were some people, some of us that were sitting on the banks that were too scared to go in the river. There's some of us that were sitting waist deep in the river, or ankle deep, or waist deep in the river. And there were others that were actually in the river with their legs up and actually allowing the Holy Spirit and the Lord to actually flow in and through their lives. And I really had the sense, and I know I've been there as well, I had the sense that the guys that are, we'll get to this a bit later maybe, I'm jumping the gun, but... It really just is that, you know, when you've got your foot in the, in the river, um, there's self-preservation. You know, you're worried to go with the flow. And I really feel that Lord, the Lord this morning wants to impart faith in you. And uh, we'll unpack that now a little bit as we go along. So, I really, and also just, just through that picture, I believe the Lord really want to meet, wants to meet you at where you're at with your level of faith. So from the guys that are standing on the banks to the ankles to the waist deep, even to the guys in the, um, in the river, that the Lord wants to meet us and he wants to pull us into more. All right, so disciple-like faith. So it was interesting that the scripture Sean put up in the Great Commission. Um, who's called to be disciples? We've covered this already, but all of us. All of us called to be disciples and all of us called to make disciples. So it's actually two calls. Eh? We're called to be disciples and we're called to make disciples. So one of the things the Lord, the Lord placed in my heart was just to follow the discipleships, ugh, the disciple, the disciples' faith walk. And uh, it was so beautiful, uh, you know, listening to Sean, because he's just an example of that. And, um, and if we can pick up the story 
I think it starts when Jesus starts his ministry. He comes out of the, the desert where he got tempted. And uh, he's, the first thing he does, he does what? He calls his disciples. And that's when his ministry started. So if we could have up Mark 1 verses 16 to 20. All right, so passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were, who were mending their, their sorry. Who, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired servants and followed him. So just an amazing story of, you know, I just thought, you know, somebody like Sean is a bad example because he would probably do that. He would probably, if a guy came past him, he's busy fishing and he's got a tour on the go and somebody, some, some guy just walks past and says, follow me. What are you going to do? What would you do? And... Uh, and I really just wanted to commend Sean because, you know, I think these guys had something in them and, and think something we can learn from them, that they were available and they were ready, spiritually ready to walk and follow and be discipled and make disciples. And so, um, so one of the things I really wanted to point out there is, is that they were available uh, to be used by God. And that's the most important thing. At the end of the day, and no offense, you know, but fishermen, sometimes I think we get a little bit too caught up in things, you know, and we're not, we don't, we're not just make ourselves available, we get caught up in life. And uh, I actually thought, you know, it's, these guys left their family business, they left their father, he was fishing, and they, and they followed Jesus. Um, and I spared a thought, because I'm an accountant, and I spared a thought for Matthew, because he must have also, I mean, nobody thinks about him, they will think about the fishermen, but poor old Matthew also, he was t collecting taxes, I don't know what was said, and uh, where the taxes got collected, because there certainly wasn't any e-filing in those days, you know, so... I, I don't know if I don't ever, even know if the Bible actually says that, but um, but the, the principle was these guys were available, and they immediately left what they were doing to follow Jesus and made themselves available. Um, all right, then we see if we go a bit further down with the disciples, you know, uh, Jesus takes on an amazing journey. Um, there were miracles. There were people that were being delivered, um, you know, and they didn't really at that stage they hadn't really recognized him as being the Messiah or the Christ. And yet they still followed, and it must have been incredible. They must have thought, Geez, we, we made a good call. We, uh, we backed the right horse, you know, and all these things are happening, and loaves are being multiplied, and fish are being multiplied, and uh, it must have been incredible. And even Peter, I mean, he got to walk on water. I love kite surfing. I was Pierre and, and uh, Hanman over there, you know. That's the closest that you can come to walking on water is, is, is uh, kite surfing. And, um, and the thing is, you know, I always identified with Peter, and I love Peter. But the reality is I'm a tax collector. I'm an accountant. <laughs> so as much as I like to be Peter, I've got to uh, accept the fact I'm actually a tax collector. But, you know, Peter got to walk on water, which took an amazing amount of faith, you know, and he really looked into Jesus' eyes. And once he started getting distracted and looking to the sides and looking to the world and the things that distract us, he started sinking. And so this was just incredible. They, these disciples had an amazing time. Um, and then if we can just have a look at sort of at the height of all of this, in Matthew 16, verses 17. If you can stick that up for us, Amanda. And Jesus, uh, this is now after, sorry, if you can just go one scripture back. I don't know if I gave you 16 as well. Okay, so basically, all that happens there is, is Peter recognizes Jesus for the first time as being the Messiah. 
And he gets commended. He, he, basically, uh, uh, 17, if you can put it up, he says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed. Uh, he says, rock, uh, he says, Peter, my rock. So Peter in Hebrew is a similar word to rock. I will build my church. So imagine being there, Michael, and uh, being told, like, God's going to build his church on you. So Peter must have been full of faith. I mean, he must have been at the top of his game. Uh, and interestingly enough, from there, um, things actually take a downturn. So five scriptures later, he actually gets rebuked and he gets told, you know, get behind me, Satan. So he must have gone from like hero to zero. And, um, and what's interesting there is that Peter really relied on, his, on self-preservation because he then took things into his own hands and, he, and his faith dropped immediately. It just dropped and he then took things into his own hand and he started chopping. Uh, he went for the one soldier, tried to take his ear off because he... Despite Jesus have actually, uh, having actually said to them that he will, you know, this is what's going to happen to him, he still didn't believe. And uh, things obviously then went from bad to worse. The crowd, uh, the crowd turned against uh, Jesus. The disciples shrunk back. Their faith eventually that it led to them, uh, Peter denying Jesus. It actually ended up um, with um, Judas Iscariot actually betraying him and an eventual arrest and death. But then the good news. So their faith was obviously scattered. There was basically his mom and John at the cross, and that was it. The rest of them were all hiding, and, and self-preservation kicked in. They were fearing for their lives, fearing for their, for, for, they had fear in them. And then the game changer, which we all know, is Jesus then was raised from the dead. And what's so amazing is that he then went to them and had an intimate time, uh, revealed his scars, showed, him, uh, showed them uh, his wounds and you know he had an intimate time with them with the with the uh, uh, with the last supper and um, and this is where Jesus reveals his heart and um, so that the two things that always stand out one of the two main things that stand out to me because I, I said to myself you know why you know from the disciples behavior in the beginning you know to their behavior at the end and what that led to if you think of what the disciples endured after um, after being commissioned and going into the nations, you know, they suffered horrific deaths. I didn't even want to mention them for some of the kids, but there were some horrific deaths that they, that they, that they suffered. And that had to, all to do with the conviction that they had. And so I wanted to just have a look at the one, of, one or two things that, that I felt stood out in what they experienced. And one of the things is they had intimacy with the Lord. They had a last supper. And, and, and more importantly, they actually got purposed during that time. So they were all given a purpose, which I think made a massive difference. And the second big thing is that they were filled with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, which when Jesus ascended, he left the Holy Spirit uh, for them. So we're all called to disciples. We're all called to make disciples. And, um, and that's something that I think not a lot of us realize is that we feel like, you know, Emsley or myself or the elders, you know, they're there to be 100% committed. And I really, you know, you need to realize that the Lord's actually calling you all to be 100% committed, just as committed as anybody else. Uh, we shouldn't be 50% or 30%. We all need to be committed. We might have a different function and a different purpose, but we need to be 100% committed to that, uh, that call of God and that purpose to become disciples and to make disciples. So... I just thought that was, we didn't plan this whole thing with Sean. It's just amazing how that thing's fitted in, in that, you know, this is really just a call for us to extend and step out in faith, which is what it's all about. All right, so if we can maybe just unpack a few things.
um, just to have a look at what is faith. So MZ actually also wasn't planned, but Hebrews 11 verses 1, if we can have that up. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. The word there that really stands out to me is conviction. And if you look at the definition of that, it says firm, uh, a firmly held belief. And that is really just the description of the disciples at the end. You know, when they, they just had this conviction in their heart. Um, all right. And then one of the things is, is faith is really just belief in action. So if you think about faith, faith is action in action. It's belief in action. And um, so one of the questions that we, well, I'll ask myself is why do we need faith? And a little bit further in Hebrews 11, the Bible talks about, uh, in Hebrews 11 verses 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So it's as simple as that. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So why do we need this faith? It's because we need to please the Lord. And we can't do it without faith. So the first step of faith is salvation. That is when the grace, we've all, got, we've all been given a, a bit of grace and a bit of, and a bit of faith. And that first step of faith is really salvation. And um, if we have a look at John 14, verses 6, I don't think I gave this, but Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we need to have faith to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, just like the disciples did. And then another scripture, John 3, verses 16. So for God so loved the world that he gave his, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in, in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So it requires faith for us to believe. Okay. So faith is what moves us forward and takes us deeper into God's plan and purpose for our lives. Deeper into that river that we were speaking about. And you know, you know, I think of the disciples, they were probably in that river, they had their feet up and they were having a whale of a time. And then what happened? There was basically a waterfall. You know, when, Jesus, when things started going bad, there was this waterfall. And they all jumped out of the river. And um, so, so faith is what keeps us and moves us deeper into the river. So one of the things I noticed with 412, you know, it's like, this, it's almost like a tank. You know, those gas burners. And I, and I just sense like the Lord is flicking the, the light and wanting to ignite the fire that we, so, that we speak about, you know. And what I wanted to ask you is, is, is your tank full of gas and ready, full of faith, ready to be used and ready to burn for the Lord? And, you know, coming back from 412, everybody's psyched and, and full of faith. Um, and it was an amazing time. And, you know, the lights go on. Suddenly you see the purpose of God because you, your faith is being filled. And that's what drives us. If you think about it, coming back from a 412 conference, that's what actually drives you is your, your faith is being stirred. And, uh, and you've been encouraged. Without faith, we cannot advance God's kingdom. So Hebrew 11, you, can, you guys can, it's almost like a little bit of homework. Hebrew 11 is amazing. It actually, it's so encouraging. It talks about all the, the, the men that have gone before, from Moses to Abraham, and just how they have all um, had faith. And, and where God's advanced his kingdom, he's used them because they, they, they had faith in their lives. And they had faith in him. And then... Um, faith enables us to say, I trust you, Lord, and you are in control. And then uh, being obedient when he speaks. It starts like a mustard seed. And uh, who knows what a mustard seed? A mustard seed is a tiny little seed. And that's what, 
That's what God, where God starts with us. You know, as I said, even the salvation step starts with that little seed and it grows into an incredible tree. A mustard tree is apparently, I've never seen one, but apparently it's a massive, massive tree. And that's just where the Lord wants to start with us. It's just that little step of faith um, that can grow into a mustard, mustard seed. And the scriptures actually say we can then, actually faith can move mountains uh, just with that little bit of faith. Um, all right, and then just an amazing picture that I had last week was faith is, there's the shield of faith. You know, you know in Galatians, you talk about the armor of God. And I had this picture of, of um, well, actually, it was interesting because last Sunday, I don't know if, for those of you who were here, we weren't sure actually who was going to preach and what was going to happen. It was a bit scary for me. One day, kind of likes those things, and I've learned to start liking it as well now. Uh, we weren't sure if he was going to preach. Uh, or, you know, he had a word, I had a word, and then during the elders' meeting, there was a third word that popped up as well. You know, and um, what was amazing, in the, and then he left it late. He said, "No, let's go to the prayer meeting." We couldn't decide in the elders' meeting, and we said, "Let's go to the prayer meeting." And when I came down to the prayer meeting, the Lord just showed me this picture of these archers busy shooting. And Monet's prayer, if you remember, was was primarily on prayer. If you're feeling weak, Scripture in James five, I think, if you're feeling weak, we need to you need to pray. And I just saw this picture of, you know, I had this word on faith, and I saw this guy with a shield and a, and a, and a sword, the sword of the word and the shield of faith, and, um, and him going into battle ahead of time, ahead of the archers. And I thought, these guys are going to burn themselves out if they don't let the archers go ahead. And that was the symbolic of the prayer. And it's amazing how Lord just confirmed that on the last moment in the, in the prayer meeting. And, um, and so when I preached about faith, and I, I preached about um, uh, prayer, and then I just felt the sense of we need, to, we need to get ready. Remember I said in the beginning, the Lord gives us a word. He stirs our hearts. He prepares us for a reason. And he wants to build faith in every one of, every one of us this morning. And he wants us to get that shield. And I saw this picture of us walking around with these shields. And some of them have got holes in. Some of them have got hurts from previous churches. Um, and some of, the, some of the guys are sitting at, in the camp with their shields actually back at the camp, and I said, I laughed this morning, actually the Lord gave me that picture, and I said, at least they were at a camp. So, <laughs> but the guys were not using their shields. The shields are given to us for a reason, not behind behind. It's, it's battle. We, we, we actually, we're in, we're in this war, and we need the shield of faith to protect us, but it's also so that we can go with the sword and we can put the shield. And uh, so it's for, for a very important reason we've been given faith, not to make us feel good and safe and secure. No, we need to be going out into the battlefield full of faith with that faith of shield, uh, with the shield of faith for that reason. All right, and then the third point is what hinders faith? So Romans 1, 16 to 17 says the righteous will live by faith. And when I actually touched on this last week, um, yes, we can read the full, the full scripture from 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Sean, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So righteous, what does righteous mean? It means right standing with the Lord. So if we're looking at what can hinder us, from, from receiving faith. Remember, faith is a gift, and, and we also the faith is part of one of, the, one of the things that comes from being filled by the Spirit. It's faithfulness is one of, the, one of the fruits. So what hinders us from faith is coming into, um, well, I'm going to say wrong standing. So what is wrong standing with God? It's sin. 
So sin is what hinders us. And that's what those words that came this morning, those things that are holding us back, that we need to release so that, that the rock can go. I think that was the one picture. And I, I actually saw a hot air balloon with, with things, baggage that we need to let go of and sin in our lives that hinders us from being able to receive. So we need to take out what's not from him and put in what's from him. And that's, and that's faith. So sometimes sin is actually blocking the way for us to receiving faith. All right. Um, one of the things I just wanted to highlight, I'm not sure even why, but Judas Iscariot had this love of money which caused the eventual uh, conviction and uh, crucifixion of Jesus. And I just felt, you know, um, that he was carrying the sin in his life that, that, that actually caused his faith to waver. And it was the love of money. And it's interesting the scriptures talk about it's the love of money is the root of all evil. It's quite interesting there. You think that was actually what caused... I mean, it was always in God's plan for Jesus to, to die on the cross, but that's what, what triggered the whole thing, was that root of all evil and the love of money. So we've got to get sin out of our lives, guys. We can't afford to have unrepented, continuous sin. It needs to go. Otherwise, it's going to hold us back, and it will prevent us from, from receiving that faith and, re, and being able to hold that shield, essentially. The other big thing, so first sin. The other thing is fear, which falls into the sin ca- category. As I said earlier, you know, we've got this river... And you don't want, some of us don't even like swimming. Some of us are scared of crocodiles. Some of us are scared of sharks or piranhas or whatever's in that river. And fear is what holds us back from receiving faith. Faith counters fear. Did I say that the right way around? Or fear counters faith, count, faith counters fear. Um, so if we've got fear in our lives, it's very difficult to have faith. And so the fa- uh, faith is what overcomes fear. And um, I just just felt for you guys that are... That are uh, you know, I had this picture when I was growing up in this church. I say growing up. I was, a, I, was a, I was an old man, not an old man, a young man. But I was uh, developing in the Lord. And I had this picture of, of, of this boat that was leaving. And the Lord kept on saying, you know, are you going to hold on to the land or are you going to get on my boat? And, um, and it was fear that was gripping me. I was like, what happens if the Lord... I didn't even know what I was fearful about because looking back at my life then... I was like, I'd so much rather be where I am now. Not that I've arrived at all, but you know, from coming from where I used to be. And fear was gripping my heart. Fear was preventing me from walking in the purposes of the Lord at that time. And it's something that you need to overcome um, in order to work, walk in the fullness of what God wants for you. I used to have a fear of water, believe it or not. I used to be terrified. When I was a young kid, I had a phobia. My parents drown-proofed me, which is in Johannesburg. They're scared. That, fear, again, they're fearful of you drowning in a pool. So your parents send you to the school when you can't even walk. You're a little bit older than Alex's baby. And they throw you into a pool. And they expect you to be able to... Eventually, it, ha- it, it works. And sorry, no offense to kids that are parents that have done that and, and, and that sort of thing. I'm just explaining. It's my story. But that the, the, the children eventually... But the babies, not even children, the babies end up floating on their backs. And it's the parents' fear that the kids are going to die in a pool. Because in Joburg, it's a very, everybody's got a pool. And it happens, you know. Um, but it's interesting that fear ended up coming onto me. And so even though I learned how to float on my back as a baby, I had this immense fear. I don't even know why I'm sharing this. not even on my notes. But I had this immense fear of water. And so when I was a kid, even when I was a little bit older, I was sort of Ash's age. When In Joburg, we used to have these thunderstorms. And I used to go and hide it in my bed. And uh, my dad used to love sailing. We used to go sailing on the Valdam. He used to have to bribe me to even just sit on the boat. I would sit there full and totally gripped with fear. And it held me back from just being a normal kid and enjoying life. You know, if they emptied a pool, 
at our school, I would have to go home because I saw this uncontrolled water and I just had fear in my heart. And I just didn't believe, I didn't know the Lord then, I didn't believe that, you know, this, and I read about Noah and I thought it was going to be a flood again. And fear just held me back. Fear just held me back from receiving what the Lord wanted for me at that time. And I can really say now, I love water. You ask my wife, I like, I like, I think I'm in water half the time. And it's amazing how the Lord's just restored me uh, in that. So I just want to encourage you guys, fear can stand in the way. Don't let it stand in the way. Don't let it rob you. Don't let it rob the Lord. Don't let it rob us. Because that's what it does. If, if you held back, Sizwe, or Yaku, I'm not picking on you guys, but if, if you guys are held back, it, it robs us. It robs the Lord. It robs the people around you. And, and it's the devil that brings the fear. It's not ourselves. It's the devil that brings fear. Now, the third thing, sorry, um, this is a bit heavy, but, but it's really issues of capacity. And I just felt like a lot of us use capacity as an excuse. Like, and I think it's a normal thing, you know. If you're growing, when you're growing up, you know, you, you, uh, you, you basically, you, as a kid, you've got school and you're busy with your friends. You know, don't have capacity. When you go to high school, and you've got, you know, you've got more friends and more of a social life, and you don't have capacity or you don't have time for for for, for the things of the Lord. And then we get to university, and then we really don't have any time. You know, and then we're filled with all kinds of other nonsense. Like Eugene laughing, you know. And then, like in my case, I, I, I nearly died of cancer at that point of my life. And then what would it have, you know, if I hadn't lived for the Lord, what would I have lived for? And it was a time when I was about 25, I got diagnosed with testicular cancer. And I could have died. And I kind of look back and I think, the Lord's given me an opportunity now. Um, uh, to walk out His purposes for... Oh, sorry, guys. Um, yeah, to walk out His purposes for my life. And so you can go from, from that. You, the first thing is you then get married. And then you don't have any time because you're busy with other stuff. And then uh, you have kids. And that's chaos. And then you have another kid. And you have a third kid and a fourth kid. And like I had him on almost a you know, f- fifth one. And you know that he's hiding from me there. And you know that keeps you busy. And what do we all say? We say we don't have capacity. Then you the kids out of the house and they go to university. And you've got to work even harder to keep them in university. And you don't have capacity because you're busy working. And then... You retire, and you basically you want to start taking it easy, and you don't have capacity. And the thing is, is that we go through our whole life, if we're using capacity as an excuse, when are we really going to achieve, when are we really going to live according to God's purpose for us? So, I just wanted to challenge you guys on that. I know it's a bit challenging, eh, Jeff? Not picking on you either. I said I was going to pick on Vicky because she didn't want to sit in the front here. So I said, I'll find her and pick on her. She, didn't want, she said, I'm going to pick on people at the front. So, <laughs> so those three things, guys. Sin, fear, self-preservation, which, which impacts our capacity. It's those legs that we're standing on in the river. We're busy standing there. We don't want to move because we're like scared. We're scared. Why? Why are we scared? Okay, you guys getting this. <laughs> All right, how do we build... How do we stir and build our faith? So this is a little bit more positive. Faith is, ex- is active, activated and exercised by an act of our will. Which, so does that make sense? It's activated by an act of our will. We need to decide we're going to step out. Okay, God gives us the grace to step out. And he will never give us things that we can't handle. I know that. And I want to assure you that he will not give you more than you can handle. And you, 
the first step is just to step out in faith. So the first step of faith, as we mentioned earlier, is salvation. Things like outreaches, things like booking 412 tickets on time, <laughs> just attending prayer meetings on a, Monday meet, on a Monday evening. There's a prayer meeting. Going to calm, making sure you're in, involved in family. It's so important, guys. Communities are the lifeblood of our congregation. You need to be in a, in a community. Coming to church even, reading your Bible, um, getting involved in kids' church, getting involved in let's talk about Jesus, or all things where we can step out in faith and just that initial step where it's activated by an act of our will. Because God's given us, the one thing He's given us is choice. So we can choose. And we can choose to do something or we can just pretend it's not there and then it won't happen. And so, you know, I'll share a story a bit later about a, a just, just an act that I, you know, something where God just added Himself where I stepped out in faith. But we'll get to that now. Uh, we need to exercise our faith because it's like a muscle. Ned Dion, as you need oefen wat gaan gebeur? Jy gaan vet raak of jy gaan maar raak? <laughs> and so faith is like a muscle guys it needs to be tested like I said that shield mustn't sit in the camp it mustn't be used to carry vegetables and meat on I had this picture that was the other picture I had sorry I forgot to share that, that the, we, there's, a, there's shields with holes in them where you've been hurt and you're too scared to actually go into battle again and you're wounded and you, but you've been sitting in the camp and you've you know and then there's other ones where guys are using the shields for carrying vegetables and food and to cook with you know and so the shield, um, the, the, um, we need to exercise that faith. We need to be using that shield as the point I wanted to make. We need to be, you know, we need to be actually stepping on in faith. If we're being passive, then we're not exercising the faith and that muscle is going to grow weary. Okay. Um, obedience is being, uh, uh, faith is about being obedient and it's being a, uh, about being available like I said earlier with the disciples, saying yes. We need to say yes more. We need to say yes more to God's call in our lives. Um, and then being around fellow... So we, we're still on the topic now of what builds faith in our lives and looking at disciples, but being around faithful believers, fellowship, going to the camp, corporate singing, uh, youth, truth tribe, communities, meetings, 412 are important. But what's interesting is that it's important to, to be around each other. And that is, it's very important. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. It's, it's, it's so important. But going to something like a 412 conference, you can go to that conference and have your faith all filled. But, you know, just like the disciples, they, they were there. I mean, they were just, they were guys in the front and Jesus was doing all the miracles and they were the guys, you know, with this, with this dude that they were, they'd backed. And yet, where were they in the end? Where was the crowd that was following Jesus? They were, ended up being part of the guys that ended up crucifying Christ. That same crown turned. And so we've got to be so careful not to be caught up. And I'm not saying not go to 412, but I'm saying if you go to 412, when you come back, what happens from then onwards? And this is the thing. True and long-lasting faith comes from a personal revelation, from being close to Jesus, keeping, his eyes on, keeping our eyes on Him and in His presence and digging our own well. And that is the crux, guys. It's almost like... Oh, sorry, there's a lot of pictures here, but this is the last one, hopefully. Is I saw this well, you know, these offshore wells, and they've got gas mixed with crude oil. And the gas is almost that excitement, and it is faith. It builds our faith. But the crude oil is that deep personal relationship with the Lord where we dig our own wells. And that is what, that crude oil is what keeps us going through difficult times. Because our faith is what, what's needed when we're in battle and we're going through difficult times. It's the thing that pulls us through. Um, 
And so the emphasis is, you know, going to these meetings and fellowship and camps and everything else, but it's not the be-all and end-all. Your personal relationship with the Lord is probably the most important thing that will build your faith and that will get you through um, difficult times. So when we, when we are close to Him and we have a personal relationship, when we start hearing His heart, and when we hear His heart, then we can start getting perspective and our priorities change. And that's really where, where God wants us to be and He wants us to build uh, our faith. Alright, and then obviously reading the Bibles and Scripture and meditating on the Lord also builds faith. And then lastly, testimonies also build faith. So testimonies, testimonies build faith in other people. But also build faith in yourself. So I want to encourage you guys to, to you know, where the Lord's worked in your life is to share those testimonies. Because it builds your faith as well as it builds Ari's faith when I share a testimony. So just to share a quick story about a testimony in my life. When I joined Josh Jen, and you must just forgive me if, if you've heard this story before because I do mention it a lot. But it made a big impact in my life. When I first joined Josh Jen, I was asked to go on an outreach to Namibia. It was a men's camp. And um, we all got together and it sounded like fun. And so we climbed in the car and we got over the border and it was some, we met up with some guys from Cape Town. They all drove up and we were going to go to southern Namibia near Cape Manshoop on a game farm. Beautiful place actually in the end. And um, we met up from guys from Cape Town and we met up from guys from Swellendam and we all drove together. There must have been about 30, 30 or 40 guys um, all going to meet with about another 100, 150, maybe not as much as 100, say 120 Namibian guys from all the southern Namibia were all meeting together to have this men's camp. And, you know, I was, I was probably in the church about two or three years, and uh, I thought, like, I'll go with, you know, see, see what it's like. And, but the important thing to remember there is I stepped out in faith. I decided to go, not knowing what the Lord had in plan. I had no idea. It's like Stefan says, sometimes the Lord says he'll be a lamp unto your feet, because if he was a spotlight, you would run away. <laughs> and this little lamp, you know, the Lord just said, just step there, Greg, and I did. And I'm telling you, it was a life-changing moment. I, um, I ended up being paired up, so they went over to Nootuver, which is Fjordsdrift, which is at the border. There was a house there where all the guys from Josh Jen got together. And then we got paired up like disciples. They said, okay, we're going to have these smaller groups. We'll have a big group, and then we'll break up into smaller groups of about 10 to 12 guys. And, um, and then you two, you guys are going to now lead that group. I mean, we had no idea. But I got paired with Brett. I don't know if you guys know Brett, but Brett's from Cape Town. He's an elder. He was an elder then already. And I thought, oh man, I'm going to be this guy's wingman. He's, gonna, he's got it. He's an elder, you know. And I was quite confident and comfortable with this whole idea. And then we got to the camp and we had the big meeting. And then afterwards they said, okay, we're going to break up into smaller groups. And they gave us all a number. And mine, was groups, mine and Brett's number was group six. And that was the last group. And there were these two guys that came in. And the one guy, I think he had played rugby. He did play rugby for Greek Wiz. He was in the front row, but he could load a Wildebeers on the backy on his own. You know, he was one of those kind of guys. Real rough, rough dude. And the other guy, Lawrence, he, his parents used to own the seal clubbing factory in Luderitz. I think that was still half sort of in operation then, you know. And he, he was a professional hunter and this rugged dude, you know. And they were making this big racket at the back. And so obviously now they're busy calling out the numbers. Unfortunately, they'd been saved at the previous men's camp, luckily. But they were busy calling out the numbers. And, um, and they got to five. 
And as five call, I was sitting there saying, please, Lord, may these guys be with that, with number five, not with number six. And they called out five, and these guys didn't leave. Because the, the, each number they, were, they called out, the guys left the, the, the building to go and form a small group. Anyway, and uh, so these guys ended up in our group. And I looked over at Brett, and he just said to me, Greg, I can't speak a word of Afrikaans. Over to you. And he gave me this little fist pump. <laughs> and, I, and I just went... And I, I mean, my Afrikaans is not savor, but I, I had to lead, 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 the, lead the meeting, lead this clan groupie of guys, and they were rough, you know, and, we, and it was just amazing how God prepared the way. He knew what he was doing, even in me. Um, he needed me to step out in faith, you know, and what was so precious is that these two rough guys, they ended up Within like two minutes, I don't even know what we, we said or what was being said, but this guy was shooting tears. I've never been shot with tears over the table. This big guy, he was shooting tears at me. I was like, what's this? You know, but it's actually his tears busy shooting at me. And, um, and he just like opened up about stuff, you know. And, but the most amazing thing was there was a young guy. He was my age, <laughs> young. He was obviously still getting visions. And um, his name is Willem Swichars. And he was an atheist. He'd been an atheist his whole life, living on a farm, this 50,000 hectare farm in the middle of nowhere in the desert. Him and his family and his parents, they even had a book. I didn't even know atheists had a book. But this guy came to the meeting and, and the Lord just prepared his heart. He was just like, I don't even know, my broken Afrikaans, I led him to the Lord. And he gave his heart to the Lord and, and uh, it was just such an amazing experience. Uh, because I didn't even make sense in Afrikaans, you know. He was just so ready. The Holy Spirit had already prepared him, and, got, and the Lord had gone before. You know, I just had to be there and be available. And the next day, he said he's going to walk up into the mountains and, and, and pray a bit. And he came back, and he said he wants to get baptized. He's heard about this baptism thing, and he wants to get baptized. And, and so a whole bunch of guys on the Sunday, so this was the Friday, the Saturday. Uh, the Sunday, we had a baptism somewhere in a plast dumb. And there were about, about 20 of the guys got baptized. And this Willem Swichars, and he came out of the, the waters of baptism. He just had, had like this incredible look in his eyes. And I was like, Lord, only you can do that. And I said to him one day, I said to him, now I understand what, why you do what you do because of that. And, uh, and that just stirred my faith, man. I just realized, like, the Lord's got bigger plans, you know. And we, don't, we can be used. It doesn't matter who we are. Um, he will use us. We just need to be available. So, can I ask the, the worship team come up again? If we can maybe stand. So, if we can just close our eyes. Um, I really believe that um, as I've been talking about faith... You might have been. You might have come here this morning, and you just had. You've just had no faith. You've had no experience with the Lord before. And He says He wants to give you that faith. He wants to give you that faith that can move mountains. He wants to. He wants to change the purpose of your life. I think you've just get the sense that you've you've lived life on your terms and the way that you've wanted it to live. And and. and you know, in the Bible, it says that Jesus is knocking. He says, here I stand at the door and knock. And he's knocking on your heart's door this morning. And you may have opened other doors during your life. And it's been wealth. And it's been work. And it's been um, 
drinking, it's been alcohol, it's been partying, it's been all kinds of things. You know, you've opened all these doors in your life, but it's not, we're all looking, Jesus is knocking. We we're looking for answers. We were looking to answer all the, we're looking for answers for Jesus is knocking and other things in our lives. And the Lord's saying that today, this is the day that he wants to come in and sup with you. He wants to come in and become the Lord of your life. And, um, and the, the choice is yours because he's knocking. He's knocking on the door. It's, the, the handle is on your side. And I really just believe that there's, there's people here this morning that want to, want to invite Jesus into their lives. And uh, I'd like to just pray. If that's you, I'd like to just pray this, this very simple prayer. So if you can just, I think if everybody can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that you've been knocking on my heart's door. And Lord, I just ask for your forgiveness, for opening those other doors and allowing sin into my life where I should have been opening the door to you and allowing you into my life. And Lord, this morning, I invite you in. Come be the Lord of my life and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. So I just want to ask you, if, while all the eyes are closed, if, if you prayed that prayer with us, if you could just raise your hand for the first time. Is anybody? See that hand? See that hand? See that hand? 